Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. No greater faction than the action movie scene. Get in the action on the Action Addicts Podcast. Your satisfaction, action on the silver screen. Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Action Addicts Podcast, I'm your host Scott Wiley and today we are going to be talking about an 80s classic, apparently, and <laughs> for that I am joined by Rob Antiquera, who hasn't been on the show since we talked about another Jean-Claude Van Damme film, Cyborg, and it was great to catch up with him, he's always a pleasure to have on and I enjoy talking with Rob. Rob obviously is the host of the Cinema Drunkies podcast, formerly known as the Action Drunkies podcast. He's also got two other podcasts to his name that we're all hopefully excited for the premiere episodes of, being the Wrath of Staith and the You Should Have Been a Bloodfist movie. Fingers crossed they will make their way to our ears soon, but as Rob says in this episode, he has been dealing with some things, so... Like a lot of us, he's got a lot of stuff going on, but fingers crossed, we will hear those things in the not-too-distant future. No Retreat, No Surrender was an interesting rewatch, as you'll hear me discuss in a minute. The film's premise is absolutely bonkers. Uh, it, it is more well-known these days for being one of Van Damme's earliest appearances, for he is definitely not the star of this role, despite what any promotional material for it will uh, try and have you believe. But believe you me... This film can definitely still stand on its own pretty much just because of how crazy it is. And, uh, I, yeah, we, uh, we kind of wrap up our conversation on this film very, very quickly. We mention the Karate Kid, which is an obvious inspiration. And we also talk about, uh, a few different things, including Bruce Lee, Dragon, the Bruce Lee story. And at the end, we kind of go a little bit off topic when we mention Cradle to the Grave, but that it is kind of relevant, as you'll hear, how we got there. But I'm going to cut myself rambling there and let you get into the actual conversation. So I hope you guys enjoy, and I'll see you for the outro. And here we are, folks. We're back once again, this time with a voice that everybody knows, everybody loves. We have Rob Antiquera with us. Hi, Rob. How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Scott? Long time no speak. Yeah, man. Um, It's been a while, actually, since many, many people have heard your voice in the podcasting world on a regular basis. I don't suppose you have yeah. any news for people on that front. Um, Yeah, I took a, a breather. Um, was having a, you know, a bit of a burnout, um, dealing with some issues, uh, personal issues. But, um, yeah, I decided to, uh, come back, you know, uh, kind of got to revitalize energy. And, um, yeah, I'm slowly but surely creeping back in. Like, yeah, um, when did we record that cyborg episode? Which one, sorry? The, 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 the cyborg episode. Oh, that was ages ago, man. It's like three months. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that was like one of that and I did an episode of my friend Lindsay's show, uh, where we talked Nosferatu and, and New Nightmare and that was it. And then I was just awesome. 
inadequate. Like, I wasn't doing anything. But uh, I'm back, baby. So that Cyborg episode was recorded in February. Yeah. That's, that's, that's about right. It does not feel like that long ago, man. It's because yeah. we, t- we talk for so long when we do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like these episodes are however long. Just know that me and Scott talk for like an hour before and like three hours after we record the initial, like, however, two hour long episode that we end up with. It was like six hours of talking. <laughs> but it's all good. It's all good because uh, I, I love talking to you, Scott. So, you know, the time just flies. You know what I mean? It does. And I mean, to be honest, time just flies in life at the moment. I think everybody is just kind of going through it at the moment, whether it be good, bad. Everybody's just busy. Everybody's got stuff going on. I mean, this show itself has taken a bit of a break. Um, yeah. obviously it's, it's back uh, at the time of recording. It's, it's, it's got life again, but it wasn't until I looked at my own, like, history that i realized how long it had been like to me it just felt like a couple weeks but in reality it was more like a couple months and i was just like oh jesus christ so that was kind of like a wake-up call it's like my perception of time is just permanently buggered at this point you know yeah same same you know it's just like sometimes you just get used to the time off like because because some like i know other podcasts they, they try to work through their issues like they'll have issues but try to work through them and I'm like, just take the fucking break, you know. I I have no problem taking breaks, you know. Like it, you try to do the weekly thing, and that's cool. But um, it's it's good to take a nice, nice mental health break, just chill, relax. You know, it's good to actually watch movies for the purposes of watching it, and not for purposes of discussion. You know, <laughs> like I could just sit there and watch a movie and just like, oh, that was good. Okay, that's it. You know what I'm saying? And, like, <laughs> and now I gotta go talk about it for like three hours. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, to be honest, it's funny how similar making a podcast is to making content in like live streaming, for example, because yeah. I know a lot of, of like video game streamers have the same problem where it's like, that's become your job now. So playing a game where you're not streaming it just feels like you're either wasting time or not making the most of the situation. And then you end up in this horrible situation where you only do the thing that used to be your passion or something you love to relax when you're working, essentially. And it's like, mm-hmm. and then you wonder why you burn out, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mac, Mac, Mac has been like that because he's uh, into, he got he got back into streaming and he's he's doing that now because we're on hiatus for some of our people. Um, and he's just, uh, you know, streaming. He was like, uh, sometimes, some days I like, just don't want to fucking do it, you know, but, you know, he's trying to build up his, uh, you know, his views and all that stuff. Um, so he's like, yeah, I got to do it. And I'm like, nobody's going to fucking hate you if you take a break, bro. Just take the fucking break. He's like, I know, I know. But, you know, I'm just like, yeah, definitely, you know? Yep. But I was going to say, you are t- kind of back to talk about another Van Damme film, but in reality, you're not, because although he's in it, it's really not a Van Damme film. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's actually, I actually didn't see this until, what was it, like, 10 years ago for the first time? Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. I I didn't watch it because of that reason. Because, mm-hmm. uh, I, 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 I have been burned before. Like, I, I've mentioned, uh, my previous, uh, appearances on the show, uh, a channel called WPIX, Channel 11. Um, and 
they had a sh- they showed a uh, movie Black Eagle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got that on DVD with uh, uh, Show Kasugi. Yes, and the way they advertised it as if it was a Van Damme movie. Jean Claude Van Damme at his most dangerous. Uh, Van Damme, as you've never seen him before, and I'm like, oh shit, I've never seen this Van Damme movie before. You know, and, I, and I've you know been open about my love for Van Damme as a kid, um, before. So I was like, oh, I gotta see this, you know? So I gotta see new Van Damme, and then I'm just like, okay, where the fuck is he in this movie? <laughs> you know? And then he shows up, and then he's gone, and it's like, who is this guy? Because I wasn't familiar with Shokusugi at that time. So that was my first intro, uh, introduction to Shokusugi, and I was just like, where the fuck is Van Tano? <laughs> yeah, to, so to, I, to be honest, I'm pretty sure the DVD I have, Shokusugi is in, like, a ninja garb with a sword, but, like, the whole front cover is, like, Van Damme doing the splits, and it's mm-hmm. like, he ain't in this film like that, guys. Like, this is one of his, like, first roles, you know? <laughs> right, like, I'm wondering... Where he made it in conjunction with uh, Bloodsport, because it came out after Bloodsport, and I'm wondering if he made it before and they held on to held on to it until after Bloodsport came out to like you know to to um, cash in on the success of it. You know, oh, we got this you know brand new star in here. Let's just hold on to it. I 100 percent think that's what happened because obviously Bloodsport itself was held on to because yeah. they, they didn't know what to do with it. They didn't think it was going to be a success. And ha, 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 history says. <laughs> yes, yes, history has declared that uh, that film was a big success. I I actually remember seeing Bloodsport in the theater. I was three going on four. I don't remember the whole screen, but I remember slivers of certain scenes. Particularly when when he fights uh, uh the big dude, he does the split kick and uh, punches him in the in the balls. I I remember that vividly. That moment being a uh, little wee one in the theater watching it with my dad. But um, back to back to this. So because of that experience, uh, I heard of No Retreat, No Surrender, but uh, I I also heard that he was the villain in it. And I'm like, well, I'm not falling for that one. Uh, no, no fucking way. You're not going to get me a second time. Because, uh, like, if you see any of the, um, before, like, uh, what is it? The, the Kino Blu-ray came out. Uh, all covers of No Retreat, No Surrender are just Van Damme on cover. Jean-Claude Van Damme in No Retreat, No Surrender. And if you watch the movie, he's in it for, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. Five in the beginning and, like, well, maybe 15, because, like, five in the beginning and, like, 10 at the end, because he is the climax of the movie. Yeah. Um. So it's like, oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not full of that shit. But um, I eventually did watch it because it's like I've, I've seen every fucking Van Damme movie at this point. I might as well. And um, I really fucking like this movie as weird as it is because this is a weird fucking movie. Uh, you know, particularly due to the fact that it features the ghost of Bruce Lee as a mentor. To, to a teenage kid. Um, I actually have a funny story about that. I was dating a girl and, uh, we had went away for a weekend and, uh, I wanted to show her no retreat, no surrender. And, uh, <laughs> and, she, and, and she's just like, oh, okay, whatever, you know. And then the scene where 
Bruce materializes out of thin air. And the first thing he does is he shows uh, Jason like uh, a lesson with, with a can of Coke. And she's like, where did the Coke can come from? And I'm like, the ghost of Bruce Lee just materialized out of thin air and worried about the fucking Coke can. (laughs) (laughs) It was also funny, too, because um, she'll kill me for saying this. But uh, she went to the bathroom uh, during the final fight. And uh, it was at the moment where, uh, like, Jason and Van Damme, or Ivan the Russian, as he's playing, uh, are having their their final face off, and that's when uh um Jason's sidekick is it uh, RJ goes uh Chase no retreat no surrender yeah. and you just hear from the bathroom uh, from the bathroom go ah! <laughs> 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 so I was like oh that was that was a fun experience uh, fun experience um you know showing somebody no retreat no surrender for the first time but uh. Uh, yeah, I actually like the, like the movie, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like, I like, you know what I'm saying? My, my thing with it is that, I, I've, we've talked about this before, how around this time, martial arts genre was all but dead, you know? Like, I think we were saying it on uh, the Invasion USA episode we did, where, like, even Chuck wasn't doing martial arts, straight martial arts movies anymore. He was, you know, nah. back at the time of Rambo. So, like, it was like, this was like, the only movie like it was seasonal and it was like god bless them for trying to keep uh the martial arts genre alive at that time they were the only ones that were really doing straight martial arts films like this and um you can say shokasugi but uh you know yeah well ninja films are basically martial arts films so you can say they've definitely got more martial arts in them than invasion usa does for example or missing in action or any of those yeah. films, which funnily enough, Van Damme's in like an uncredited scene, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, like I think he's in like supposedly like I mean, if you could spot him in there, shit, you 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 have an amazing eye because I, I, I've I think that movie. I I have once, but I haven't seen that film in years because I remember when I spotted him, I was like, wait, what? And then we then he's gone, and I'm like, and but then I have it on DVD in like a big four pack set with like all, a load of other military films that chuck did you know there's there's like dozens of them and yeah. uh it always stuck out to me for that reason and the fact that uh the guy that played kato in the pink panther films like the villain of the film which at the time was all i knew him from i hadn't seen other stuff with him so that kind right. of like threw me for a loop i was like wait what <laughs> right 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 yeah yeah i i, I really enjoyed this fucking weird ass movie <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know, it's funny. I I watched this film when I was a kid. Um, I also like don't remember Van Damme because at the time, obviously, it was you know it was not a Van Damme film, and uh, I don't think I'd like as a kid I'd made the connection that the guy at the end is Van Damme because it's like well he's not the main character. Um, but when I rewatched it, I was surprised how much I didn't really vibe with it. Um, mm. partly I think that's because I've kind of rewatched the trilogy out of order. I've, I've recently rewatched the other two that star Lauren mm-hmm. Avedon. And, yeah. uh, by comparison, this one's, like you said, fucking weird. And, uh, I don't know how I feel now, like 25 years after I originally watched it about the spirit of Bruce Lee coming back to, uh, 
teach a, a, a white boy kung fu. There's there's something about it that I struggle with. But like you say, I think as a kid's film, it's great because it's like it the the spirit of his hero basically comes to him and uh, gives him what every kid would want, which is you know to be taught by the greatest fighter alive or ever, however you want to look at it, and yeah. um, gives him the skills, passes them on. But watching it as an adult, I was sort of like, ah, there's a lot in this film I'm not sure about. Especially uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme's idea of what a Russian sounds like. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, like, and it's also weird, too, because uh, I, I, as a huge fan of his, I think I can say this, that his, his fight scenes are not, like, a typical Van Damme movie, like, doesn't, like, his fight scenes are, like, I, I enjoy them, but, like, they're not the most complex and technical fight scenes in the world. Yeah. Um you know, very basic choreography, but it was fine for the time. But you look at the, the the fight scenes in this, and this is probably the best he's ever looked as a fighter in a movie. And and that's what, I guess, due to the fact that this was directed by Corey, the great Corey Yuen with the fight choreography by the Meng Hoi, um, who, who did a lot of movies um, with uh, the Seven Little Fortunes, of course, you know, part of that being Jackie Chan, the Samuel Hung, and Yuen Biao. Um, so, like, yeah, Van Damme probably looks the best he's ever looked as a fighter. You know, watching it now compared to when, like, look at something like Kickboxer, like the end fighter Kickboxer, and he's, like, he's so, like, I mean, I know there's some undercranking, uh, definitely some undercranking in um, the, the, the fight scenes. But, like, yeah, like, the, how different he looks, and it's just, like, Wish he had choreography like this for the rest of his fucking movies, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, but I think some of that, uh, and again, not I don't want this to just be us talking about Van Damme, because obviously Kurt McGinney is the star of this film. But, yes. but I think a lot of that stems from the fact that when he made this film, he was an actor. And I, I don't mean that as like an insult, but like he wasn't Jean-Claude Van Damme. Right, right. Like you said, I don't think anybody would have been allowed to choreograph him the way he was probably choreographing this film because he would have just said no or I do what I want, bitch, because I make all the money. So you will do what yeah. I say. And I don't think anybody that's worked with him is going to going to argue with that sentiment is his exploits on set are well documented. Oh, yeah. It It is a shame because this film kind of demonstrates the fact that he could have done so much more. I mean. Even in something like a John Woo film, he ain't exactly spinning around like a Jackie Chan, like a Yun Bu. And it, it, it's always, I always thought of Van Damme as like Chuck Norris school of fighting. Like he does big roundhouse kicks, big spinning kicks, a lot of, uh, weird body punches that look like they've come out of wrestling. But in this film, like you say, he's moving like he's doing a Hong Kong film because it basically is a Hong Kong yeah, film. Yeah. Uh, right down to how awful the audio quality is and syncing with the mouth. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I, I think there's an alternate universe out there where Van Damme did this and then decided that this is what he wants to do with his life and, uh, started doing acrobatics and, you know, was doing Scott Adkins stuff 20, 30 years earlier. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that's the ultimate universe where he he doesn't fail on no retreat, no surrender. Too, you know. Well, the thing is, is because they made that after kickbox, after Bloodsport, 
I, I can understand why he didn't want to come back as the villain. Like, he basically wanted to be the main character. Yeah. And uh, funnily enough, you've given me a great tea up there because I just mentioned Scott Adkins. And it's like he basically wanted to do the undisputed, I'm the main character now, before it happened with Scott. And right. I don't think anybody would have necessarily had an issue with that. But, like, I don't know why they wanted him to be the villain because if he's supposed to have been uh matthias's character from the second film he's only in it for like 10 minutes like surely you'd want to maximize his appearance given how successful Bloodsport is like yeah. the whole the whole story behind that film just makes no sense to me yeah yeah most definitely oh uh, like i think you know the filmmakers like you know cory uh probably like, i don't give a shit dude you're, you're gonna this is the role and 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 you know obviously you know for the for the betterment of his career he he wisely said no i mean it uh no between us and is a great movie so it would have been great to have seen him in it but like M- M- matthias did fine and you know van damme went on to greater success so i guess it worked out for everybody you know but um it would have it would have been it would have been a nice uh thing to, to have seen him go on and continue on with hong kong choreography then maybe uh he wouldn't have had to have been doubled so much where he did knockoff you know, and he was working with a uh, Samo choreography. Yeah, and that would have been that would have been something. But, you know, that wasn't the way it went. I think the problem as well is one of the things that doesn't really happen today that definitely used to happen back then in at least in Western martial arts and action stars is everybody had their their signature thing. Um, mm. It doesn't really happen now. Uh, but like Van Damme had a signature kick, he had a signature way of moving in his choreography. And I think like knockoff being a great example, I don't necessarily think it wasn't that he couldn't still do that. It's that he wouldn't do that because he right. was like, oh, this, this, this isn't the Van Damme thing. Like you can get a double to do that. And let me know when you want me to do the splits sort of thing, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I'll be honest. Like I cannot, I would love to hear some stories from that film because my brain cannot handle the idea that Samo and Jean-Claude would get on in any way, shape, or form, and Samo would probably mop the floor with him if he gave him lip. So I, I find it real interesting that there aren't any stories from that film that go around the internet, which makes me think there's a reason for that, that something that did happen and everybody's been sworn to secrecy. Right, right, because, I mean, it, it is well known how hard uh, Samo runs his sets. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I can just like, you know, when you have, um, I mean, I love the guy, but he's, uh, Van Damme is a pure egomaniac, especially during that time. Um, you know, like he said, he doesn't even remember making that. He was just so coked out of his mind. Uh, and then like, yeah, like to, to, to be on a set like that with Samo, who's just like, uh, what was that, uh, the, Art of Action episode with Scott did with um who was the the, the stunt coordinator when they were looking at um the moment uh, from Millionaires Express where fucking uh UMP out does the the backflip off the the top of the the burning building yeah I, I, I know the stunt I just can't think of who it was he was talking to him about right. um I want to say it was Andy Cheng but I don't think it was no 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 it wasn't Andy um it was a British guy um oh I that's... mean. Yeah, anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't really matter. The, like, the, the, the point I was making was that when they were watching the stunt, like, you know, because, you know, you and 
famously did it in one shot. Does the flip off the, the, the roof, lands on the ground, gets up and runs and gives dialogue all in one shot. And I remember Scott saying that, uh, he, that he's glad that you and got it in that one shot because if he would have fucked it up, you, um, Samuel would have made him do it again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Samuel doesn't give a shit. You fucked it up. Do it again. Do it again. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, so just, just like, I, yeah, I could just, oh my God, the, the stories of what uh, happened on that set when you got Van Damme and Samuel hung together must have been wild. But um, as we said, uh, this is a weird ass film. Like, if you've never seen this film, <laughs> we have kind of uh, spoiled it, but you know, it, it was made in the 80s. It's kind of your own fault at this point. Um, yeah. So, yeah, a, a kid. Well, the film kind of does struggle with coherency, so I'm going to try and break it down. But basically, there's a kid, his dad's a martial arts instructor, and he's kind of being shaken down by, like, some shady people because they want to, like, use his martial arts dojo for some shady stuff that they never really get into what exactly it is. They say it's like a front for crime, but I'm like, how? Like, are you going to use it to, like, recruit gang members? Are you going to run money for it? It's like, they never really explain what the yeah. plan is. But whatever the plan is, like, they've done it to everyone. Like, they own the whole town. And I'm like, what is this, Cobra Kai or some shit? Like, I don't understand. Um, right. And, uh, like, they go in. The dad fights back. Does pretty well, because, like, he's good. And then Van Damme is in a bright white suit with a red tie, kicks his ass. It, like you said, with a lot of undercranking, I've never seen him do that flying spin kick so quick in my life. Yeah. <laughs> then they move to a new place. And in, and in said new place, you have your typical, well, karate kid, in all honesty, setup of kid that kind of knows some karate martial arts, but not enough to really defend himself. Fish out of water, doesn't really fit in, does make a new friend. Uh, the, the, the walking stereotype himself, which was, uh, I can't think of the guy's name. Was it RJ? That was it. Yeah, wasn't RJ. It? RJ. Yeah. They they basically you know have shenanigans together. He falls in love with a girl, goes to learn martial arts, and then big surprise, the martial arts place is full of bullies, sort of, and uh, shit escalates. But yeah, all of that is pretty normal. It's it's how the film deals with all of that that kind of makes it stand uh, above everything, or as certainly out on its own in the back shed, being ostracized by its peers, which is that. Instead of finding a, a sensei, instead of getting through to his dad, he decides, he, he decides. Instead, he goes to Bruce Lee's grave, which was the actual grave. I'm pretty certain. Like, that looked like yes. that was filmed on location. Yeah. And, uh, he essentially like tells him that he has nowhere else to go and that he needs sensei Lee's help. And it is such a weird ass scene. And then at that night when he goes to sleep, oh, the spirit of Bruce Lee emerges and begins to teach him the ways. And yet, for some unbeknownst reason, Bruce Lee looked a little different than he does on the poster about five yes. feet where he stood. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, that always makes me laugh and shit. It's like we have pictures of Bruce everywhere, but they cast, um, I'm going to call him Tongo because I know his actual name. I just can't remember at this point. But I, he's the same actor who doubled Bruce. He was the fighting double for Bruce, but one of his fighting doubles when uh, Robert Klaus's uh, abomination uh, abomination um, adaptation of Bruce's original Game of Death 
Uh, he was also uh, Bruce's double, as well as his character's brother, Bobby Lowe, in Game of Death 2. Um, he was also in The Clones of Bruce Lee. Uh, I cannot remember his real name, but he was credited as Tong Lung in Game of Death 2. So that's the name I'm going to choose. Uh, um, he has now it, passed on, so uh, no disrespect to you, sir. If it, if it helps, uh, it says here he was credited in this film as Kim Tai Chong, but it says his, <laughs> it actually says that his actual name is Tai Jong Kim. So he seems he's been credited under multiple different names. Yeah, yeah. It's a, so I'll just go under Tong Long because that's how I remembered him vividly as a kid because uh, I watched Game of Death 2 uh, a lot. So it's like, hey, that's dude from, that's Bobby Lowe from Game of Death 2. Um, yeah, and it's like they, 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 they have multiple close-ups of Bruce Lee posters and yet they bring him out and it's just like, he like, work for him was like when they had him doubling they would shoot him like from the side with glasses so he kind of looks like Bruce but when you look at him straight on it's like he don't look like fucking Bruce at all and that, that, that's all we see him is his like close up so it's like yeah uh, that's the that's the fuck up there and then that, the fact that he refers to him as Sensei Lee when um, Sensei is a Japanese thing so it would, Bruce would be Sifu Lee um, but yep. uh, obviously, uh, this movie doesn't give a shit about logic or facts. <laughs> Do you know what's funny is is that they get it right that Bruce Lee did cheat Kundo, but they couldn't get right that he would be a Sifu, not a Sensei. But then I feel like some of that is because everybody else but him allegedly is doing karate, even though they're not. But according to the film, everyone else is doing karate, so it's like they had to structure it to fit in with that. Because it's like, I've said this before on the show, like, everything pre-sort of 2000s, no matter what the martial art on screen is, it's karate, as far as the story's concerned. Like, everything is karate. And purely because they're like, that's what Americans know. <laughs> no, like, yeah, we, we we talked about that too when I was, uh, um, what did I tweet that, uh, and speaking of Van Damme and Kickboxer, he seeks out uh, a Muay Thai master to teach a Muay Thai to fight a Muay Thai specialist and then defeats him at the end using no Muay Thai whatsoever. And then and that's when you said like everything before 1999 was just fucking karate. Like, you know what I'm saying? They don't, they don't well, give a shit. it's like, um, it's a TV show, not a film, but there's Miami Vice. Edward James Olmos, when he joins as the captain, there's an episode where He's like, oh, I, I lived in Thailand for many years and the locals taught me the ancient technique of karate. And I'm like, they don't teach karate in Thailand and karate is not a real thing. And and then when the choreography actually hits, it's just your standard, like, brawling, weird, low kick thing that the 70s love to do. And I'm like, yeah. obviously, don't get me wrong, I'm judging it when I rewatched it many years later. And I'm sure at the time people just loved it and weren't bothered. But I, that sticks out in my mind as... When I say everything before then was just karate, it's that sort of stuff that uh, sticks with me, you know? Yeah, like, yeah, nobody gave a shit about that. Now, like, you know, um, we're, we're, we're much more hip to it. So it's like, like, no, you, you, you gotta, you gotta differentiate between styles and shit. That's why I like, I like that Cobra Kai show a lot, you know what I'm saying? Because they, they, they do that, you know, they, not just in the fighting scenes, but like, you know, in the dialogue, they make sure to differentiate between 
styles and point that out. And, and like, because back in the day, this is what we have to fucking deal with and shit. And it's like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna do Muay Thai, and then he, he beats Tung Po with fucking Shotokan Karate and shit. And it's like, uh, whatever. You know what I'm <laughs> well, it's the same as like uh, I will talk about it as its own episode one day. But I love uh, Best of the Best when they're all learning karate to do karate tournament, and then it turns out that they're going to Korea. And my brain went, "Hang on, isn't Korea Taekwondo?" And yes. then. And then when they get there, the literal posters all say Taekwondo tournament. They're the all Taekwondo fighters, but still the American dialogue is like, yeah, man, these are their best karate fighters. And I'm just like, give me strength. It literally says it in your own sets that it's Taekwondo. <laughs> right, right. Like, dude, even during the last match, um, with uh, uh Tommy versus Davon and shit, like the the announcers are going, Oh, this is the prime example of the beautiful art of Taekwondo, but you just said they're the fucking karate team and shit. Which one is it? Make up yeah. my fucking mind here. <laughs> it's the same as like um you know, this this shows the age of the films I'm about to reference, but it's like before everything was karate, it was Chinese boxing. And it's mm-hmm. like, you know, um I think I think what happened is karate just became a catch-all phrase for any kind of fighting that basically wasn't boxing. And I think that's why they didn't see anything wrong with it. Like, oh, yeah, there there are American karate fighters. Like, it's just all martial arts. And it's like, yeah, but it's not as simple as that. (laughs) Right, right, right. That's why I I appreciate fucking, like, Billy Jack, because he was doing Hapkido, and um, uh, Billy Jack made sure the the actor... um, Made this escape me. Um, he was like, No, you know, make sure to point out, no, I'm not doing karate, I'm doing fucking hapkido. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, like, shout out to Billy Jack, <laughs> you know, for making sure that it's understood what exactly he's doing because everybody else was just doing fucking karate. Nobody gave a shit. Yeah, 100%. Schwarzenegger, uh, in one of his books, had a brilliant piece where it was like, you know, he he first went to uh, the Muscle Beach and there's people working out, there's people doing karate, there's people doing all sorts of martial arts. And this is years before it caught on in like cinema. And he's like, you know, it, it's always been there, but no one would admit that they did it. Like, oh, it's just I'm really good at fighting or, oh, you know, I've got a natural physique. And it's like admitting that you actually worked out or actually practiced the stuff that you are now good at was almost seen as like, a bad thing like it was seen as something real particular that i just don't want to actually get into or address but it's it's more the fact of like it took people like swordsdager like van damme like chuck norris to sort of go no this shit is hard it's difficult you have to work at it a lot there's nothing Mm. wrong with it you know right that that reminds me of uh um, what was it the making of documentary about predator on um and uh, Carl Weathers would say that, you know, uh, he'd wake up in the morning before a shoot and uh, he'd go down to the gym and they were all there working out. And he'd say, hey, what are you guys doing here? working out? He said, and then he'd go leave, get a cup of coffee and wait for them to to, to, to leave and then come back and get, you know, get them. He said, because, you know, you can't be caught working out. It's got to be natural, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yes. It's amazing how perceptions have changed. Yeah, Absolutely. So, what did you think of the actual fights in this film, like from the the non Van Dam people? Oh, um, 
I I thoroughly love all the fight scenes in this film. Like, you know, going, you know, like I, like I've always said, my particular action guy, my particular favorite type of action is just martial arts fighting. You know, Bloodsport was the first action movie I ever saw. And like that just started my love affair with, you know, subgenre altogether. Like, you know, and then going from Van Man, Bruce Lee, Steven Seagal, Chuck Norris. And then like, you know, discovering like Jackie Chan, you know, with Rumble in the Bronx. And then that just opening it up everything for me where like I would then just seek out all kinds of martial arts films. So it was like, it, it, it broadened my horizons considerably to where it's like, I, like if I was a kid, I probably would have been like, this shit looks crazy. You know? Cause I remember watching like something like rapid fire and thinking like, yeah, damn, Brandon Lee's doing some crazy shit. And then like, you know, you, you watch like 20, 30, 100 odd films later and you realize that, oh, Brandon was just doing you know, stuff that was taken wholesale from uh, Jackie Chan movies, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, like you know, now like you just have this appreciation and it's like, I like that, you know, even before, because, uh, you know, you like it's like you said, you had that standard brawler like mentality in a lot of early martial arts movies. And I think that came from Bruce himself because Bruce was just really into that. But, you know, he was just so goddamn graceful at it. You know, like that art of just like the realism of um, uh, the staging his fight scenes, you know, because he liked to incorporate real life kind of uh, movements and techniques in there. Bruce really believed in biting and punching in the balls and shit. That's why you see a lot of that in his movies. <laughs> but, um, like then it went to Chuck, uh, you know, and Chuck is, you know, and I like Chuck, and so I'm not gonna really you know, be derogatory of him here, but uh, it's like his fight scenes are like, yeah, you know, and then like you know, it took Van Damme to revitalize Bloodsport, but like still, like you said, like his his fight scenes are, like well, fine for its error, like basic looked upon now, so it's like like you had it in an era where it's just like they're still trying to find themselves and like right before that you had because you know like it was a whole what nine years before Rumble in the Bronx came out and like you can even say like Rapid Fire and maybe Only the Strong were like incorporating like stuff that you would see in Hong Kong martial arts movies where like even like in the 80s they were trying to like push that in there with like actual Hong Kong style fight choreography because that's exactly what it was you know because seasonal made movies for like American markets, but they were like basically Hong Kong productions. No Retreat Surrender 1, 2, and 3, King of the Kickboxers 1 and 2, uh, Super Fights, uh, Blood Moon. Like th- those were like bas- surely simply Hong Kong productions with just like American actors, and, you know, Western actors, I should say. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you got to appreciate them trying to, you know, get that out there before anybody else did. You know, like, you say they're, like, almost visionaries, you know. And it obviously worked because No Retreat, No Surrender was a pretty decent success um, to the point where I know No Retreat, No Surrender 2 wasn't actually meant to be a sequel to No Retreat, uh, no, Retreat no Surrender. It was supposed to be just uh, you might know better than me. It was supposed to be just Raging Thunder, and then because No Retreat, No Surrender was a success, they just threw 
No Retreat, No Surrender 2, Raging Thunder on it in order to capitalize off the success of the original film. So obviously, you know, it, it, uh, it impressed quite a bunch of people. Like you still see, uh, um, people talking about it. Like Scott Atkins did a whole episode of Art Action just talking to Kurt McKinney and Kurt McKinney is great, but like, you know, the, I hope this doesn't sound really bad, but, uh, all Kurt McKinney really has is no retreat, no surrender, you know? So it was basically just an episode of talking about no retreat, no surrender. Because that's obviously what Scott wanted to talk about. And you know, Scott, he, he that man is just a martial arts freak. You know, that man loves his fighting, like even to the point where it might uh get gain him like um like kind of like what's the term I'm looking for? Lines. Where he's not No, no, like you, you could say that because um I uh I remember uh when that remember when jujitsu came out, the Elaine Moussey, Nicolas Cage movie. And yeah, nobody, yeah. yeah, and, and everybody was like, oh, this movie kind of sucks. You know what I'm saying? And you listen to Scott talk about it. He's like, when he was interviewing Elaine Moussey, he's like, I love that movie. I love that film. I was like, of course you do, Scott, because it's got nothing but fucking fighting in it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, like, you know, so you can see why Scott would probably be like a, a, a young kid loving this movie and loving the, the, the sequels as well. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, I, uh, when it comes to the fight scenes, uh, the, the, I, I love them because, you know, they were great, especially for their time. And, you know, they were innovative, you know, trying to push, um, Eastern martial arts choreography in a Western movie, the movie, um, uh, basically designed for Western markets. And yeah, like I, I, I thought they were absolutely great. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, this film blows pretty much every other film out the water that came out about this time with mm. fight choreography. Um, yeah. it, 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 it does the whole idea <laughs> of Karate Kid better than Karate Kid. And before everybody starts killing me, I don't mean the story. I mean the execution yeah. of the progression of the main character because Ralph Macchio, a martial artist, he is not. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, whereas Kurt McKinney, you know, like you said, from an action point of view, this is kind of his thing, but he does it really fucking well. And yeah. he can move. I mean, it, rewatching this kind of made me sad that this was all he got because I feel like he was pretty good in it as both an actor and a martial arts performer. It yeah. surprises me that he didn't really get anything else in that vein, considering that the 80s and 90s were full of people doing exactly that you know yeah i think i think that that could be attributed to him not doing part two because I, I and i know that's the decision he said he, he regrets that he that he should have did like he he, he backed out because van damme backed out and then he changed his mind but they already cast lauren in the role so well to be fair so did van damme van damme changed his mind but they already had uh matthias and they were like no fuck you yeah <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, but like, it, you know, it's it's sad because that actually worked out for Van Damme, whereas it didn't work out for Kurt. You know what I'm saying? Like, he was just kind of, he just kind of got the short end of the stick of that deal. And then just, that was it, you know? It's, and it's like, yeah, he, he really had, like, you know, he's really, I mean, he's, uh, like, there are some moments where you see he's doubled by uh, Ming Hoy, who was a fight choreographer, but that's for like the more acrobatic stuff. 
But when it's like the straight fighting choreography, you know what I'm saying? He's fucking great. Like, I mean, everybody's great. You got Dale Jacoby in there. You got uh, 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 Sugarfoot, uh, Peter Cunningham in there. All, all the, all the, you know, everybody looks look, looks the best. Well, Peter Cunningham probably looked better in the way he was in uh, Above the Law or Right and Wrongs. Uh, however, which uh, title you're more familiar with, I'm more familiar with Right and Wrongs. But he probably looks his best in there because he was fighting UNB out. But like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? They all look great, you know? Um, and that's because, you know, you have um, a sure director in a Corey Ewan, you know, one of the greatest to ever do it. And then you got Ming Hoi doing the, the, the choreography and he's fantastic. So it's like, yeah, the it, I definitely agree with you. Like when it comes to like uh, Western martial arts movies in the 80s, this has the best fighting out of all of them. Um, Especially considering, you know, like, cause it does get so much compared to the Karate Kid all the time because it's essentially the same story, except that one doesn't have the ghost of Bruce Lee in it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> uh, you know, like, those are all actors, you know, who are not really martial artists. Although, uh, points to William Zapka, he does look particularly good, uh, in his fight scenes, uh, in, um, in the Karate Kid. And also, I feel like in, with the Karate Kid, like their whole point was like to show the concept, of, you know, and the integrity of martial arts without trying to make themselves be like a martial arts film itself. Yeah. Like I, I, I feel like especially with Part Three, like when they get to Part Three, like they were actively trying to avoid appearing like they're a martial arts film, which is why the the fight scenes in Karate Kid Part Three are kind of like, like. Just whatever, you know. Like, well, I, almost... I, I think the thing is for me because I, I rewatched all those films quite recently because I, ha- I got them on Blu-ray. I also have the new Karate Kid, but try to bring myself to rewatch that. Apparently, took a lot more work, so I still haven't done it. Um, <laughs> but I, I, the thing I took away from it is the second one for me is the best in terms of like a martial arts film. Yes, uh, without a shadow of a doubt. A lot of people will say like the second and the third one were either rehashing the first one. And with number three, I can understand where that sentiment comes from, not so much number two. But I feel like people that say that have missed the point. And you've just kind of hit the nail on the head, which is that the the reason why it feels like it's rehashing it is because Daniel hadn't internalized the message that he doesn't need to worry about it. And I feel like that's true to life. Like people don't tend to learn a life lesson in like one easy digestible hour and a half film it's something if you have like a a flaw in your personality or there's something about you that's really difficult to change or to keep on top of you're gonna make the same mistake more than once and the whole point was how do you deal with these problems when they arrive and like the thing that daniel and i think the audience and i think those people still don't understand is miyagi's whole point was you don't have to it's like you're making this complicated and difficult for yourself because you're letting them dictate how you should live your life. When in reality, I'm going fishing, mate, and not worrying about it. Why exactly. are you Why are you stressing about this so much? And I feel like people completely miss that. And that's why, you know, it gets such a bad rap. But he's the same in all three films. But his reasons for helping Daniel change. Whereas, say, to compare it to this film the ghost of Bruce Lee doesn't really have a reason for why he just decides to help because I'm not sure that logic is this film's strong point, but 
it's you know it's it is what it is you kind of have to just accept that going in and if that bothers you then there's no point in even putting this film on you know whereas the karate kid films try to be a bit more grounded not not in realism i wouldn't say they're realistic but they teach no, no, those, no. they teach those life lessons of how to deal with stuff and miyagi was all about trying to avoid problems but be prepared for them when they come i mean there's a reason that he can throw around crease and silver without laying a hand on them because yeah he has that experience that confidence that calmness that comes from knowing that if he wanted to he could kill them both but he doesn't want to yeah absolutely yeah that, that that's the perfect way of putting it you know this is like you know just like do just do do your thing you know what i'm saying don't even worry about it like you you're the one that really wants to confront them I think it came to a head when, um, like, when, when he takes Daniel to the fucking, uh, we'll, we'll get off right here in a second, folks. Um, yeah, but to uh, be fair, I don't even think this is necessarily off topic because this is a Karate no, no, Kid no, ripoff. Right. Like, yeah. there's, there's, there's no getting around it. Karate Kid 1984, No Retreat, No Surrender 1985, same premise, and you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah most definitely. But, uh, like, Miyagi decides to take a stand, you know what I'm saying, when, when he finally sees Crease in action. But he's just like, yeah, I'll go over there. I'll talk to you, you know, the, the, the kid's uh, teacher, you know, whatever. We'll straighten it out. We'll talk about him. And then he sees what kind of asshole Crease is. And he's like, uh, no, wait, 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 wait. I, uh, uh, I'll help you out here because this guy's a scumbag. You know, to see the pollution of martial arts by this guy. And like, you know, I, I, you know, he just couldn't let that sit. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, I, I guess he felt compelled, like, you know, I got to show this kid that this is not the right way to do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, uh, and the other thing as well is like in the very first film, he says like a, almost like a throwaway line of the fact that it's okay to lose to an opponent. It's not okay to lose to fear. And yeah. in the third film that comes back because he's terrified of Mike Barnes. And when he's like trying to quit, that's the only time in all three films where Mr. Miyagi puts his foot down and tells him flat out, you aren't quitting, bitch. You're going to yeah. stand up and fight. And he's like, well, I can't beat him. And he's like, irrelevant. It's like, you want to, you want to quit because you're scared. If you quit now, you'll be scared for the rest of your life. It's right. like, it doesn't matter if you win or not. The point is you have to fight. And I think that gets missed so goddamn much, you know? Right. Yeah. Like that, that line, it's okay to lose to your opponent. You must not lose to fear. Like, yeah, like, it's the first time, I think, in the whole series that he actually raises his voice at them. Yeah. Where he's like, I'm afraid of him! <gasps> like, shut up! Fucking listen to me! Because he hasn't listened, he, he didn't listen to Miyagi the whole fucking movie. You know, he's being an asshole to, to Miyagi and shit, and Miyagi's just like, I had enough, shut up, bitch. <laughs> like, just stay focused, and, and, and do your thing, and then, you know, then, you know, Daniel's like, uh, 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 all right, Miyagi. And then, like, you know, he goes and, and wins in the most anticlimactic way possible. <laughs> yeah. My father, my father hates that. My mother loved that moment too. Like she loved that, you know, when he's doing the copper and my father hated it. Like they, they used to butt heads on that scene. Like she thought it was great. And pop just thinks that scene is just bullshit. He said, ruin the whole fucking movie. You know, like dude, he just flips him over and hits him and wins and shit. And like, you know, and that, and that was when I was stuck with in between, you know. Just like them going back and forth. No, it's great. No, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, given what you've said about your dad, I'm real curious. What did he think about this film if he's ever seen it? Because I'm sure he loves seeing the ghost of Bruce Lee turn up. Oh, he thinks this is pure comedy. 
Yeah, like, I thought like, as much. Pure fucking comedy. He's like, you know, the the, the second like I, I remember trying to say, oh, I remember this fucking movie, and I try to show it to him. And once Bruce Lee's ghost came out, he's like, get the fuck out of here! And then he walked he walked out the room. <laughs> and he, he never came back either. I think he may have walked by the room and, and, and said, "Like you still watching that piece of shit?" And then he just left. He never came back. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Pop just uh, yeah. I I, I could have told you that this is not his cup of tea. Like he likes martial arts movies, but like he definitely don't like this one. No, I mean I can understand that. I do think especially for people that don't have any kind of nostalgic connection to it. I very much think this is a Marmite film. You're either going to really love it because of how stupid it is, or you're going to hate it because of how stupid it is. And, you know, just the saying, just every time I've said this sentence, my brain is like, this isn't a real sentence, but it is. The ghost of Bruce Lee, if that sentence alone doesn't get some kind of a reaction in you, then I don't know what to say, but it probably does. And depending on if you think, oh, that sounds cool, or oh, for God's sake, then that kind of gives you your answer about this film. I will say, like, you know, it's a really good film in terms of the fights. The story kind of, it's real difficult for me to care about the story in this day and age. I I really, really struggled to rewatch this. Um, Not from, like, I was going to turn it off or anything, but, but I just couldn't stay focused on it. I kept zoning out. I didn't care about the teenage stuff because it's so formulaic. I feel yeah. like they could have had a much better story if they'd really focused on the fact that the dad basically gets his leg broke or his knee snapped at the very beginning and like the weird pressure that put on their family dynamic, the financial situation, and more importantly, the relationship between him and his son because they, they tease some interesting stuff but then never really do anything with it. And I feel right. like if they'd if they'd focus more on that instead of the fact that he gets bullied by people because of a misunderstanding and then, you know, the prettiest girl in their fucking neighborhood decides that she likes him as opposed to all the other people that are really big and muscular. And, um, you know, that, that we've seen before. But I feel like there was a family storyline dynamic there that could have really made it stand out, you know? No, no but Scott, Scott, we needed the ghost of Bruce Lee. We needed the ghost of Bruce Lee. This movie doesn't work without the ghost of Bruce Lee coming out to teach the kid. To be fair, to I, I, I didn't I didn't say you, you had to lose the ghost of Bruce Lee. I meant we could have had <laughs> stuff with his dad instead of spending no, no, time. No no, 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 Scott, I 100% agree with you. Like, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's all there to make it a more interesting film, like, you know, drama-wise, you know, like, you know. Like I, it always makes me laugh that the the, the, fa- the father he gets his ass whipped by Van Damme becomes such a pussy afterwards. Uh, no fighting! No, I told you no fighting. Oh yeah, but yeah. to be fair, like he was like that in the beginning anyway. The only difference was is that still had a, two working legs because he yeah. even says at the beginning like I, I'm not going to fight you. And I always find that funny whenever that happens in films because like the bad guys do exactly what I always think, which is that oh good, then we'll just beat you up. This will be easy. Oh, suddenly they fight. It's like, all right, so your whole no fighting policy didn't last very long, did it? Right, I mean, right, right. to be fair, he wins. It's only when Van Damme, like, basically uh, sucker punches him that yeah. uh, he starts losing, because obviously it's Van Damme, or sorry, Ivan the Killer, or whatever his fucking name was. Ivan the Russian. I, I Yeah, but, the- but doesn't he say, like, he's a killer or something? Like, he, like he's a yeah. legend or something? Yeah, something like that. 
It uh, and and then um, in the credits, he's billed as like Carl something, if I remember correctly. So I don't like I, I have no like fucking idea like with Ivan the Russian, Ivan the Killer, or Carl whatever. Well, Carl, on, Carl. on IMDb, he's his character's name is Ivan Krasinski the Russian. Yeah, yeah. and it's with, like I do you know what I find so funny though. Sorry. Is the fact that given how many films Van Damme and Dolph Lundgren made together, and they both kind of debuted as a Russian like bad guy that basically had no dialogue in the film, I I, 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 I love that. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, that that would have been like you know in a standard movie that would have been the way they went. You know, uh, like you know the folly is crippled, like no fighting. You know, the kids getting bullied. You know, and. They, they, they're growing apart, but, uh, you know, the, the, like, you know, I need you, Dad, you know, I need I need Dad, I knew it. It's like, all right, you know, he's going to get himself better, and then, like, you know, he's going to teach his son, you know, the proper way of fighting martial arts, so he won't get bullied anymore, and it's going to be great, and, you know, they're going to be a family again, and, you know, the son's going to win the day, and, like, he's going to become friends with his bullies, and, you know, everyone's going to be a big-ass happy ending. But nobody's going to remember it for that. So we have to have the ghost of fucking Bruce Lee uh, materializing out of nowhere with a cocaine. And, like, <laughs> and, and, and the fucked up thing is that that's probably why they did it. Like, oh, yeah, like people are not going to forget this shit. You know, ghost of Bruce Lee coming out of nowhere. And, it, like, you know, I guess you know, they didn't have the gift of hindsight because, um, you know, they, they realized they didn't have to do that because you had a future star in your movie. And that's what the movie's going to be remembered for, but for the early appearance of Van Damme. Nobody really remembers the fucking Ghost of Bruce Lee aspect. So when you mention that, you, everybody's like, what? You know what I'm saying? Like, this movie has what in it? Like, yes, the Ghost of Bruce Lee shows up to teach a kid Kung Fu. And and it's just like, oh, okay. <laughs> I got to see this. You know what I'm saying? And, like, that's how, like, they get the notice from Van Damme and they stick around for fucking Ghost of Bruce Lee. And that's how this movie stays remembered. So, given that this, as you, as you said, uh, gave birth to sequels, uh, that aren't connected at all of the three films, uh, which, cause I know you've seen all three, um, mm-hmm. which one would you say is like your favorite? Um, a bias would have me say this one, like, you know, as, as, you know, because it's the first one I saw. And, uh, cause I, I, uh, you know, like I said, I didn't see this until not until like maybe 10, 12, 15 years ago, something like that. And then, like, you know, I casually saw the other two after that. Um, so, like, you know, bias would probably give it to this one, but like, you know, as far as like a movie overall, I gotta go with part two. Oh, really? Yeah, I gotta go. Like, part three, like, has some amazing fighting in it, like, Keith Vitale in it. But part two, like, you know, and I'm an, an explosion part has all the explosions in the world. Uh, part two also has Cynthia Rothrock in it. And it's just like, you know, <laughs> it's, it's the, the goddess Cynthia. And so it's just like, it yeah. does. But I'll be honest, I, I feel like even though it was, also done by Corey. It also was done by the Hong Kong crew. And at the time, Cynthia was dating Corey. Um, I really feel like Cynthia got the, the short end of the stick in that film. Like, she doesn't really get to do a lot. Like, 
compare her to like writing wrongs yes madam made by the same people like she is kind of there to almost be the damsel but not quite because she can fight but there's she's just not it's not peak cynthia and it, it really bugs me like watching it today because you know her and lauren and um they can both fight really well. They both get the, that choreography down. They both look good under cranks, but it just, uh, there's, some, there's something about it that just doesn't quite sit right with me. I do agree with you. I think it's a fun action film if you like explosions and over the top story. I mean, it doesn't have a, the ghost of Bruce Lee, unfortunately, but it does make up for it by some of the ridiculous stuff that happens in it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, Matthias is death scene spoilers for um almost the uh, uh, over 30 year old movie uh his death scene is amazing um yes uh also cynthia gets to fight the uh, huang zhang li in there so like that's a plus for me and it's just like you know like you know you give me a matchup like that i you know i don't really care about your problem you gave me something it's like a uh, blood fist five blood fist five gets tops for me because it gave me uh donald dragon wilson versus steve james I don't care about the rest of the, the quality. I mean, I, I do like that movie a lot, but um, it, it, it gets tops because uh, it has Don the Dragon Wilson versus Steve James. So it's like, yeah, you know, you gave me that, so I'm good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So like, you have that in part two, um, and plus it's 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 Lauren's in- introduction. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, like Lauren is arguably probably. Um, when it comes to Western actors doing uh, Hong Kong style choreography, he's probably arguably one of, if not the best to do it. You know what I'm saying? Like to actually, um, you're, you're free to disagree with me. Uh, when, when it comes to actually performing it, because, you know, we were talking about this before where it's hard for real life fighters to actually kind of, you know, do like choreography. And then I could imagine, especially with, um, Eastern, you know, Hong Kong style choreography, but like Lauren just t- took to it like fucking champion. You know what I'm saying? And like, you know, it, parts two and three, King of the Kickboxers, like particularly King of the Kickboxers, which is my favorite out of all the, well, that and Blood Moon. Like, I can't, why do I keep forgetting Blood Moon and shit? Like, like, ugh, how could you forget Blood Moon? <laughs> um, but like, yeah, like, you know, those two seasonal films are like my favorites. Those are my two favorite seasonal films. Um, but like Lauren is just, you know, um, just amazing when it comes to doing the, you know, Hong Kong style choreography. And, you know, that was introduction of him to the world, basically. You know what I'm saying? We all discovered him too. Uh, no retreat, no surrender too. So yeah, out of the three, uh, I would say, like, you know, for nostalgic purposes, um, the first one is my favorite, but as far as what I consider the best one, part two. Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, I certainly don't, I don't, I don't rate the first one anymore. I mean, I think it's a great film if you're younger. I think it really struggles to stand up now. I think if you just want to put on a film where you don't have to concentrate too hard and you just want to see some cool fight scenes, Number one has you covered. Um, mm-hmm. I could kind of say the same thing about the second one, but trying to find a good quality version of those two sequel films is real difficult. 
they unfortunately you are not going to find folks uh, a high definition version of them that doesn't have a ton of film degradation and grainy looks and i hate to say it but um if you're someone that's bothered about things like seeing the boom mic for example in shot uh those films ain't for you um, <laughs> and the third one man it really struggles with that um but ironically that's the one i enjoy the most i love seeing keith and lauren together it feels like a, a, a beat-em-up video game brought to life, even though it isn't. Yeah. And the final fight with uh, the guy whose name is escaping me, it's like Rion, I, I think. It's it's one of the best final fights, I think, in any martial arts film. It's just a shame that it was made on a shoestring budget, r- relatively speaking, that they yeah. couldn't, they couldn't, you know, do a bit more with it or what. But, yeah. I, I, I agree with you as well. Lauren Avedon's one of the best people to, to just nail that choreography. Um, I, I really like, uh, Kurt McKinney because again, I, I watch these backwards, but, um, as a kid, this film was kind of like wish fulfillment. Like you were saying, yeah. it's easy to see why people would be inspired by this film, why it would do so well, because everybody wants to believe that they might go to sleep and, the ghost of Bruce Lee will come and give them training and suddenly they'll be the, the baddest mofo on the playground, you know? It's like, yeah. it, there, there's no way that this this would never appeal to someone that knows this stuff. It's it's the same equivalent of, like, Shazam. You know, you say a magic word and suddenly you're an adult with superpowers that can go toe-to-toe with Superman. This is basically that, but for martial arts fans, you know? Yeah, absolutely. To, to, to be honest, too, with, with, uh, I'm embarrassed to admit this, so... I kind of had that same thing, but it was for Brandon Lee after Brandon Lee passed. Uh, kind of wish like, you know, the, the ghost of Brandon Lee would come and like, like I had, it was this weird thing where I had like a crow mask and like, I kind of like wished that, uh, had the powers of uh, Jim Carrey's the mask where I could put it on and turn it into fucking Brandon Lee. Like I, I was, I was a, a weird kid with a wild imagination. Don't judge me. <laughs> no, man. I mean. <laughs> If you're not, if you don't have a wild imagination as a kid, then I feel sorry for you. Because, like, yeah, I mean, to go off topic a little bit, Jim carries the mask. I mean, what a superpower that is to basically do, you know, break reality in physics and become a living cartoon. That film does not get the credit it deserves. I mean, it does get credit, but a lot of people now take it for granted because of the world we live in with superhero films with cgi and but that that film like it freaking shattered barriers for what when it came out i mean it was the debut of cameron diaz as you could tell i'm a big fan of that film but um as a as a side note like brandon lee coming to teach you would have been just as good like there ain't there ain't no wrong answer there any of the lees can kick ass and take names uh i was just literally talking to someone earlier today about how badly uh Jason Scott Lee was basically given a bad run by Hollywood and it sucks that we never really saw what any of them could do if they'd had a, a, a decent, long, successful career, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I was talking about not too long ago, maybe last year. Um, talking about that, uh, with our buddy, uh, Lee Golden from Film Combat Syndicate. Um, but we were talking about, you know, actors who should have had a bigger career. And he brought up Jason Scott Lee. You know, that performance he gave in Dragon and Bruce Lee's story was a star-making performance, if there ever was one. I still think that he's, he's probably the person to, like, you know, we've had shitload of 
guys doing Bruce Lee. And I still think he's the one to capture Bruce Lee the best, even though like he, he's like, well, a foot taller and like, um, more than several inches wider than Bruce. Um, yeah, but it, it just helps the legend, man. Yeah. Yeah. He, 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 he really nailed him, uh, beautifully and he, he gave a magnificent performance and just like, that should have led to more stuff from him, but it just didn't happen. And that's fucking unfortunate because he's great in that movie. Yeah, I mean, uh, not to go on a, on a rant because this one would go on for way longer than it needs to. So I'm going to condense this, but one, one film you'll ne, well, I say never, never say never. Um, but one film I'm definitely never going to speak of in a positive light is the live action Mulan where he plays allegedly the main villain, Woody Ain't. Oh, God. And he was just done so, so poorly in that. Like, I mean, props to him for probably getting paid, but there was, the, yeah, that I really, really wanted that to be like the, the, the awakening for people to see what they've missed. Cause he's still, yeah. he's still young enough in inverted commas to do more, but that, yeah. that film wasn't going to do it for him. And I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's plenty of other people that were in that film that, that suffered the same fate, but he was the most disappointing because I felt like him being what I thought was going to be the main antagonist. Uh, similar to the original story and the original Disney film. And of course, that isn't really how it happens, but he should have had, he should have been done better. Let me, let me leave that rant there. Yeah. Yeah. There, 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 there was many actors, um, who, who fit that role, but like he, he is definitely one of them that, uh, cause, uh, I still have not seen the full thing in that movie, but I, I've seen exactly what you're talking about. Just like, God damn it. You know, like, well, that's fucking my, my attitude is, is if you're going to have Jet Li, Donnie Yen, Ron Yuan, Jason Scott Lee, and a bunch of other people I'm forgetting, but also, um, Zima, and they're all going to be in this film that I know is going to be about war and martial arts and big, huge epic set in kind of one of the big eras of the big confrontations that happened in, in Chinese history. How the fuck can you fuck that up? But they managed it and they made it ridiculous. And uh, I, like I said, I could do a full episode on that, but it would honestly be the most negative anyone's ever heard me on air. <laughs> no, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. It's, like, uh, it's like the same thing me and Mike be talking about with uh, Cradle to the Grave. It's like um, you, you had Jet Li versus Mark Dacascus. That that was an easy slam dunk, but uh, they still managed to fuck that up. <laughs> See, I I actually don't mind that movie because I I have a nostalgic connection with it. I agree. It's it's it it could have been so much more, and especially rewatching it now, like it's a you know that film is a great example to me of appeasing the times, like whoever the flavor of the day is, and matching them with someone who's a legend. Because then when you rewatch it. You're only really watching it for Jet Li, for Mark Dacascos, yeah. for Kelly Hugh. The problem is, is there's a whole other half of the cast. And I, and I, I say this with all the love to a number of those people that I like in other projects, but nobody's watching it for them. And I couldn't care less about them. They're all pretty decent actors who went on to do much better things. But in that film, I couldn't care less, you know? Right, right. It's like, yeah, like that, that, that climax should have been just just been gently marked to costas, but they decided to intercut it with 
other fight scenes. And this, 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 um, let me tell you right now, I've never mentioned this before. I, I mentioned it in like reviews I've written, but, uh, I don't think ever on, um, air. Uh, I hate intercutting between fight scenes. I hate like where like two fight scenes going back and forth in between each other, especially if like, like if, if both fights are choreographed well, like I'm fine with it. But if like one fight is great and the other fight is not so great and you're going back and forth in between them, it's God, you know, just, just, just give me a bit. Like I'm just like, I don't want to see, you know, God bless him, uh, may he rest in peace, but I don't want to see DMX versus some random henchman. When I'm trying to concentrate on fucking Jet Li and Mark Dacascos fighting, like the ultimate of showdowns for its time, and you just eat, keep intercutting us between DMX, some guy, and Kelly Hu and Gabriel Union, I'm just like, you're you're ruining it everything. Like I literally only have a DVD because it has a special feature where you can watch um, the the Jet Li versus Mark Dacascos, but like in like three different cuts. Like it's a special feature. Like they they filmed it with multiple cameras and they edited it three different ways. So like, and it gives you the option to watch. Like you can watch it in this version, that version, or that version. You know that this cut, that cut, or that cut. Um, and it's, that's literally the only reason I have to be beat is so uh, I can watch. I'm that. gonna go out on a limb and say that the version that's not in the film is the better version. Right. Like even the. The, like they have the cut that they use, but it, it's just them fighting. It doesn't have the, the, the other two fights in a cut between it. So it's just Jet Li versus Mark Costas, which is fine. But like, you know, each, like each fucking, um, cut of the fight is great. And it's like, and you guys decided to cut this up with, with other bullshit. Like, yeah, yeah, really just decided to fucking throw another bullshit in between this, these, these two titans going at it. And it's just like, Hi, they. Whatever. I'm over it. Much like I think we are over it of talking about No Retreat, No Surrender, given that we've gone <laughs> off topic uh, so fast. But in all honesty, guys, this was always going to be a quick episode. This is kind of a bonus episode, so I'm actually happy to, to end it here. Um, like I said, Ghost of Bruce Lee, check. Uh, Karate Kid ripoff, check. Jean-Claude Van Damme doing a terrible Russian accent, check. It's, it, you know... It, 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 you either love it or you hate it with this one, guys. I don't think there's an in-between. Would you say that's fair? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. So I'm going to hand you over to myself to tell you uh, what you're going to be watching next. Uh, in fact, I, I actually don't really need to because I know what it is, but um, you guys are going to enjoy it, so uh, I'll, I'll hand you over to me. See you later, guys. Thank you again, Rob, for joining. No problem. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the episode. And uh, first thing I just want to quickly say, because when I re-listened to this back, I realized that it, it the, the way I described my feelings towards Cradle to the Grave might come off as a bit offhanded. Uh, Cradle to the Grave is actually one of those films that I really enjoy. Yeah, it's got its faults and it's got its issues, but I have it on DVD. I would happily have it on Blu-ray. Uh, it's actually a guilty pleasure of mine, which is not a phrase I typically use. I don't think such a thing really exists. You like what you like, and I, I quite like Cradle to the Grave. Yes, a lot of the reasons I like it are because of Jet Li, Mark Cascus, and Kelly Hugh. But DMX, Anthony Anderson, Tom Arnold, Gabriel Union, even Michael Jace, and all the other folks that are in that film, you know, they do what they need to do. 
even Ron Yuan is in that film briefly, I think. Uh, there's quite a few people in it, and it was a great melding of East and West. But when you rewatch it now, I know who those people are because I watched it at the time. But I think it's safe to say that a lot of people watching it will recognize the martial artist, especially if you're an action film fan. I might not understand exactly the culture of the 2000s. As I said in the episode, every single one of those people I just mentioned has better stuff elsewhere. I know that the film has kind of probably taken on a bit more of cultural significance due to the fact that DMX sadly passed away, but that doesn't change the fact that there's a lot of stuff baked into that film that you really need a lot of context for how the world was back then. And I'm saying that like it was a long time ago. I know there's going to be people listening to this like, you know, the 2000s weren't that long ago. I agree. Uh, however, if there's one thing that spending five minutes on the internet tells me, it's that anything longer than 10 years ago is considered ancient. So with that said, I hope you enjoyed the episode or what the film was actually about. No retreat, no surrender. There really wasn't that much to say. I do enjoy the film, but like I said, it's not one that I think I'm going to ever be rewatching when I'm just sat there bored. There are so many better alternatives that I would prefer if I want a martial art fix, but there's equally better things that I would watch if I want a drama that involves teenagers and high school problems, which I'll be honest is unlikely to ever be what I'm in the mood for. There's also, of course, the sequels to this films, and uh, if you listened to the previous episode, which is on RRR, then you will have already heard what's coming next, but just in case you didn't hear it there, the next episode is going to be on the sequel films, and it's going to be with Lauren Avedon, who was the star of said films. This episode was actually recorded after the conversation I had with Lauren about the sequels, which is another reason why we were just kind of getting in, getting out, because I knew that this would be a quick conversation. It would be even quicker if we hadn't gone off topic about the Karate Kid, about Cradle to the Grave, about Bruce Lee and Jason Scott Lee and all that stuff, but in all honesty, it made the conversation uh, kind of interesting because ultimately they're all aspects of this film's identity, its connection with Bruce Lee and how everybody you know, was affected by him. It's also quite clearly a, a direct inspiration of the Karate Kid, so I, I'm happy with the conversations and I hope you guys were too, but that's going to be it for now. I look forward to seeing you all in the Lauren Avedon episode for No Retreat, No Surrender 2 and 3. But that's it for right now. Take care of yourselves, guys, and I'll see you in the next one. On the Action Addicts Podcast!